I have used a lot of commerce platforms in the past. By far, the most robust is Shopify. No matter how complex your business needs and no matter how large your business grows, Shopify can handle it. And they do handle it for brands like Rothy's, Ruggable, Allbirds, Knox, Magnolia, Brooklinen, Glossier, and Cotton, to name a few. You may already use another e-commerce platform and you may be super unhappy with it, but you've already put a lot of work into it and migrating to Shopify could seem impossible. But I'm here to tell you that it is quite easy. When I migrated to Shopify back in 2022, their apps and tools meant I just had to make a few clicks and everything was ported over as if by magic. Shopify also lets you design your storefront however you like, which from personal experience I know isn't the case for many other commerce platforms out there. All these features and all this control can result in more sales more often. So stop leaving sales on the table, switch your business to Shopify today, and discover why millions trust Shopify as their all-in-one commerce platform to build, grow, and run their businesses. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial at shopify.com forward slash practical, all lowercase. That's one month for just $1 at shopify.com forward slash practical, shopify.com forward slash practical. Good morning to you, Prakaptan. Welcome back to Practical Stoicism. I'm your host, Tanner Campbell, and today I have to reiterate an announcement just to make sure you got it. Starting January 29th, this podcast is going to be taking a break. Now, don't worry, it is a short break. We'll be back February 6th, so it's only a, what is that, eight or nine day break. But we're taking this break to get some things in order and to get ahead of our new production schedule, which will be as follows. Drum roll. Mondays will be meditations with Marcus. Tuesdays will be letters from Seneca. Wednesdays will remain our long-form discussion days when we can do that. Thursdays will be concept deep dives. So let's say we want to talk about virtue specifically. We'll do that on Thursdays. Fridays will be listener question and answers. Saturdays will be practical Buddhism with Emma, and that starts in mid-February. I believe that's the week of Valentine's Day as her first episode. And then Sundays will continue to be Practical Cynicism with Eric DeMott. Now, occasionally we will mix this up a bit, and those mix-ups will happen on Wednesdays or Thursdays when we either can't find a guest or instead of doing a deep dive, maybe we want to talk about some text from Chrysippus or Cleanthes or some other lesser-known but very important Stoic author or even a lesser-known and not-too-important Stoic author. But for the most part, that's the new schedule. And this week, we're going to give you a taste of this new content schedule, sans Emma, because she's not here yet. And we hope you enjoy it. As for the eight or nine day break, please go to stoicismpod.com forward slash discord to join the community for free. This is how you can stay in contact with us and with other listeners so you don't lose track of your stoic practice while we're working behind the scenes. Link in the show notes to the community. Again, free to join. Hope you will. Today we are going over meditation number 46 from book 4, and it reads as follows. Always remember the saying of Heraclitus, that the death of earth is to become water, and the death of water is to become air, and the death of air is to become fire, and reversely. And think, too, of him who forgets whither the way leads, and that men quarrel with that with which they are most constantly in communion, the reason which governs the universe and the things with which they daily meet seem strange to them. And consider that we ought not to act and speak as if we were asleep, for even in sleep we seem to act and speak. And we ought not, like children who learn from their parents, simply act and speak as we have been taught. 
Marcus is hitting us with a number of good stoic nuggets today. I'm, I don't know why I feel like saying nuggets, but there it is. The first is a favorite of his, not surprising, given how many of his children have died before him at this point and how many years of war he's been involved in, death. But it's not at first the death of the individual, it's the death of other things. He's talking about cycles, inevitable cycles. And I find them interesting. The death of earth is to become water. It's not necessarily true, near as I can tell, but I get what he's saying. Certainly water can erode, but that erosion doesn't become water. And certainly it can flood, but flooded earth is still earth, even if it becomes a seafloor instead of a landmass. But the sentiment is still nice, I think. Earth isn't forever. It does change. It can vanish. And over time, it certainly will, even if it's over a very long period of time. Atlantis. Oh God, where's Tanner going? Why did he just say Atlantis? Is this about to turn into a conspiracy podcast? No, let me finish. Atlantis, or the island of Atlas, is a fictional island, and one that was mentioned in two late dialogues written by Plato, which supposedly referred to Atlas, or later Atlantis, to embody the ideas of an ideal state, as described in Plato's Republic. I'm bringing it up to suggest that the idea of the sea swallowing things and being the death of earth or land in general seems to be somewhat of a theme in the ancient world. So perhaps it is not outrageous for Marcus to think that land can become water or that water can be the death of land. The death of water is to become air through evaporation, presumably. And this also I don't think is completely correct. I think water becomes a sort of vapor that coalesces into clouds and eventually becomes water again in the form of rain. But still, in the ancient world, it's again not outrageous to think that water dies by becoming air. Because if water evaporated right in front of you, you'd think it had become air. You wouldn't really know as an ancient what the heck was going on. And the death of air is to become fire. Now, this one might actually be accurate. I don't know enough about how fire works, but I do know that fire is fueled by oxygen. And whether or not the air turns into fire, I don't know. But certainly there is combustion. And if there are any chemists in the audience, you'll know how wrong or right I am here. But air might just actually undergo a chemical change and become fire through combustion. But again, I don't know. Still, even if wrong, not outrageous for an ancient like Marcus to think. And the accuracy of these ideas isn't what makes these statements necessarily worthy of contemplation. We can't fault Marcus for not being a modern scientist with a modern understanding of nature, but I think we can give him credit for noticing something pretty real, something that he's spoken about a lot in the books we've read so far. The universal constant of change. Everything changes form. Everything is part of a great cycle. And perhaps Marcus is the Roman Mufasa because he's talking about the circle of life after all. The land becomes sea, the water becomes air, the air becomes fire, etc., etc. And when he turns to human death, he's asking us, or rather he was reminding himself, since this is a journal, to remember that we are part of that cycle and we have a natural destination as well. We will die and become the earth. Or, if you're like me, and you think you're going to get cremated and be placed inside of a bio-urn, which I just think is the coolest idea, we become trees instead. I have a friend here in Colorado who is trying to start a business composting human bodies as a more responsible, environmentally responsible way of dealing with the dead. And I think we would all have, initially, a negative reaction to that. And that negative reaction would probably take some form of, what are you going to do? You mean you're going to do to my grandmother what you do to a banana peel? That's not very reverent. I don't like that. 
And I think that's a legit marketing concern for a company like that. But why do we have that reaction? Are we really different than a banana peel? Certainly while we're alive, yes. But once we're dead, I think once we're dead, we're more similar to a banana peel than we are different. Composting human bodies so that they can become the literal soil we plant trees or gardens in seems, to me anyway, somewhat more reverent than putting the dead in a box and having to go and visit a gravesite in order to say hi to them when we miss them. A tree seems pretty cool when compared to that. But I'm getting a little off topic. Life and death are cyclical. And we're not just alive, we're really at a stage in a cycle. And during that stage, we, we humans, have this beautiful ability to make decisions and live a life and experience existence unlike any other animal experiences existence. And that's one of the most important things I think this first half of this meditation reminds us of. And then there's the second half. And consider that we ought not to act and speak as if we were asleep, for even in sleep we seem to act and speak, and that we ought not, like children who learn from their parents, simply act and speak as we have been taught. Wake up, sheeple. I'm kidding, but yes, I love this bit. I'm sure someone has told you before that you were babbling nonsense in your sleep. In fact, quite famously, in my house, my partner once asked me something while I was asleep, and I got quite cross with her, she tells me, and I told her not to bother me because I was in the middle of having tea with a minotaur. Of course, and very unfortunately, I was not having tea with a minotaur, but I thought I was. And this, I think, is what Marcus is getting at. He's telling us not to mistake what is real for what is fantasy, what is inevitable for what is wished for, what is important and valuable for what is vapory fame, to use his own words. Don't go through life as if you were in a dream. Go through life as if you were a temporary point within a grand cycle, and you've got a limited amount of time to leverage your power, your influence on the cosmopolis, your logos, your intellect, before you exit this part of the cycle and enter the next where you become the soil someone plants their tomatoes in. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Practical Stoicism. I was happy to have you here. If you haven't reviewed this podcast yet, please consider doing so on Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, or Podchaser.com. If you're not part of our Discord community, go to stoicismpod.com forward slash Discord and join. It's free, and we'd all love to have you. Thanks again for listening, and until next time, take care. Take care.